Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Okay. I always do it. I do it every time I'm up here. Let's do that again. Let's say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is a great place to be. I can't think of a better place to be on a Sunday morning than here at Grace. Praise the Lord. It is good to see all of you. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you so much. The Lord can do a miraculous work in your life no matter where you're observing and participating in this service. Praise the Lord. There's only a few things going to tell you about this morning. Tuesday, September 20th, we will have our Tuesday morning prayer here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And on Saturday, September 24th, we'll have men's prayer in the A Center at 9 a.m. Also, you may have noticed in Classroom 1, it has been set up as a prayer room. Please feel free to go in at any time and pray. It's always open. I was thinking of something. We had a beautiful worship service here Friday night. It was marvelous. The presence of the Lord here was it saturated the auditorium. And I was thinking, it occurred to me while we were praising and worshiping, we, we often praise and worship God for the things that he's done. And that is appropriate. God has done such great, marvelous things in our lives. But I think perhaps we can allow our faith to allow us and propel us into praising God for the things he's going to do. How about that victory that you need that's going to happen, that deliverance that's just right around the corner? Can we worship and praise God for that this morning? Let's stand to our feet and lift our voices to the Lord.
Stronghold, shine through the shadows. 
like I'm in the presence of God, don't you? I feel like Jesus is here today, don't you? Thank the Lord. It's wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Remain standing as you return to your seats. It's great to see everybody. Along with Brother Ben, we're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming. All of our guests here today, welcome. We're so thankful, so thankful you're here. And uh, we, we trust today that our service will be a blessing to you. And uh, from my point of view, it already has. It's great to be here today. I'm thankful to be here today. Thank the Lord. I would like to uh, just rehearse a couple of our announcements, if you don't mind. Uh, Saturday, September the 24th is men's prayer. I'd like to encourage all of our men to show up for this. It's a wonderful time to be together. And uh, it's not chat and eat donuts and drink coffee time. It's prayer time. So we come to pray. We wouldn't call it prayer meeting. If we weren't praying, we would call it coffee and donut time. However, just as a byproduct of you coming to pray, we will have coffee and donuts. So, I mean, you, you, you have to have that right. Uh, for morning prayer meeting. But all of our men remember that. It's September the 24th. It's going to be a great time. And um, everybody say connect groups. <laughs> if you've participated in one of our connect groups, uh, any of them one time, more than one time, it doesn't matter. But if you've participated in connect group, just by a show of hands, would you do that? Look at the hands all over the building. Are they wonderful or what? Are you folks having a great time with our connect groups? They're going amazing. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Thank the Lord for all of you, our Connect Group leaders. Thank you. And uh, we want everybody to continue uh, doing the great work that Connect Groups are doing. And uh, I mentioned men's prayer a moment ago. We're resuming prayer this Tuesday morning. <clears throat> and uh, those of you can, please show up and pray. Church is not going to work without prayer. I don't care what else you do. It's not going to work without prayer. We have to pray. We need to pray and we should want to pray. So, so remember that night of worship was amazing as it's been stated already and thank our praise team for putting in such time and sacrifice for that it was an amazing night and we're so thankful that all of that happened and uh, we appreciate the blessing of God that is so faithful that is so dependable at Grace Church I want to call your attention to the word of God today in a very familiar reading but I have something to say. I've come today with something to give to you, to present to you, uh, to challenge us. And um, I'm anticipating a tremendous response to the Word of God today. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. This first statement should really grab our attention when you read it. <clears throat> You may not think it's applicable to you, but I believe all of the Word of God is applicable to all of us. Amen. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I'm not going to go down this path this morning, but 
I do want to say for those that are here today that believe you have your own private interpretation of what living for God is and what living for God is about, especially when it comes to holiness. It's impossible to please God without faith. And if you're without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Those are two powerful statements in the Bible. They're just as important as every other statement in the Bible. Uh, we need to think about that. I want to speak to you for a little while today. Is it faith or something else? Is it faith or something else? Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. <clears throat> I'm going to jump right into my message today. There's not going to be uh, very much introduction. As a matter of fact, there won't be any at all. So I'll need for everybody to set up straight, both feet on the floor. As my fifth grade school teacher used to say, at least 12 times a day when I was in the fifth grade. And I'm happy to say I did not repeat the fifth grade. I put both feet on the floor and I set up straight and I passed. Uh, so lesson learned, right? I find it interesting that of all the things that God expects out of us, I find it interesting that of all the things that God expects out of us, that the Word of God expects out of us, that when it comes to pleasing Him, faith is at the top of the list. Faith is at the top of the list. The Bible said it is impossible to please God without faith. So it doesn't matter what else you do. If there is no faith on your part, then it's impossible to please God. Billy Graham said the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one life in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. And I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Augustine said to love means loving the unlovable. To forgive means pardoning the unpardonable. Faith means believing the unbelievable. I give credit to Augustine for such a powerful statement. The word faithless in the Bible is mentioned four times, and it's only mentioned in the New Testament. Three of those times is referring to Jesus casting a devil out of a little boy. So three of the four times it's mentioned, three times is in one setting. The other time that it's mentioned once is what I want to uh, speak about here for a moment. It's referring to Jesus meeting up with Thomas sometime after Jesus resurrected. I want to read the verse, the verses, and then illustrate what I want to talk about. In John chapter 20, verse 27, then, then saith he, Jesus, to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither my hand, thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. Everybody say faithless. He said, be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. 
And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those that have not seen me. It would take hours, as far as I'm concerned, to unpack this scripture setting. But Jesus is illustrating to Thomas and the rest of the disciples, for that matter, that it is possible. Listen to Pastor. Everybody listen. It is possible to see Jesus and still be faithless. Everybody needs to... I'm going to kind of go slow here at the beginning. I'll crank up in a minute. We love as apostolic people to talk about our revelation and our understanding. I'm going to come to that in a minute. Our revelation and understanding about Jesus. But why, when we are confronted with things out of our control, that we all of a sudden become faithless? Or if we have faith, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. How do we manifest it? Or if we have faith, do we manifest it at all? I want you to get the context of, of John chapter 20, the script of the three or four verses I just read. Here is a disciple of Jesus that has seen at least three people raised from the dead. This man has witnessed lepers being cleansed Blinded eyes being opened, lame people walking, demons cast out. He was on the ship that night when Jesus said, peace be still. How in heaven's name can you stand in front of Jesus who himself has been dead, which makes that the number four person he's seen resurrected from the dead. And still be what Jesus said is faithless. How can that happen? It's amazing to me that Thomas was really the only one that was offered the opportunity to literally touch Jesus physically to have his faith restored. Thomas is the only person in the Bible I've known that had that opportunity. Obviously, Jesus is not with us here today in the flesh, so we can't do that either. But here's a man that has a long history, three and a half years of seeing undeniable miracles happen in front of him. Not hearsay. He witnessed it. He saw Jesus die on the cross. He knew Jesus was dead. He knew Jesus resurrected. And still stood in the presence of Jesus after Jesus had walked through the wall to get to him. And he is still, according to Jesus, faithless. Zero, zip, nada, all of those words. Nothing. It's interesting to me. It's also interesting to me how that we as apostolic people 
have witnessed very similar things. Maybe not the same quantity. Maybe not everything in exact detail. But we have been witness and privy to the documented divine acts of God. And still have a hard time showing up in the presence of God and still have faith. It's amazing. I could kind of understand if we'd been abandoned on an island somewhere out in the Pacific Ocean for 120 days and hadn't seen a soul and hadn't been in church and it's kind of hard to scrape up faith. But buddy, when we do this every week, week in and week out, week in and week out, and we're still showing up faithless, I don't know what to say to that because Jesus isn't here physically for you to touch. Y'all on board yet? Not being incriminating. I'm just trying to, I want to stretch our thinking and our understanding a little bit. So it, it becomes apparent through at least this one illustration, and there's many more in the Bible. But it's, it's, it's amazing to me how important faith is if you want to have a relationship with God. Man, I hope I'm getting through because I've just been real excited about this. It didn't matter. Listen to Pastor. One more time, listen. It didn't matter how much or how faithful Thomas was or how much he loved Jesus. It didn't matter how faithful he was. And it didn't matter how much he loved Jesus. He still had to have faith. In a relationship with Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus, there is no substitute for faith. Faith produces what loving God and being faithful to God can't. Well, I think I've just shocked the living daylights, everybody. About it. Oh, Pastor, I thought if I've been faithful for the past 30 years, God will give me everything I want. That's why you don't have all your prayers answered like you thought you should have been getting from God. The Bible didn't say it's impossible to please God without being faithful and without loving Him. That's some of the requirement. That's some of the expectation. But faith tops the list. Love and faithfulness do not bring you into the realm of the miraculous. Love and faithfulness alone don't cast out devils. Love and faithfulness don't open blinded eyes or unstop deaf ears. They don't heal cancer and deliver from sinful habit. To expect a divine intervention in your life just because you love God and have been faithful is a spirit or attitude of entitlement. So don't misunderstand. Don't anybody misunderstand me here today. Love, faithfulness, holiness, and all the other Christian attributes have their place of necessity. But the point I want to drive home today to all of you sweet apostolic people is that there is no substitute for faith. I'm going to be honest with you tonight before I continue, or today before I continue. Next year, 
Uh, Sister Murph and I will go into our 30th year as pastor here, 30 years. And uh, that's a big portion of my life. As a matter of fact, it's almost half of it that we've been here at Grace Church. And there's a, a particular person, I'm not going to say who it is, it's, a, it's a, a, a minister, has told me over and over and over that you deserve all the things that God has blessed you with because you've been faithful. This person has told me that over and over and over. You didn't quit, you didn't give up and all that. I appreciate what the person says. And some of us maybe sitting in the pew feel the same way that we kind of deserve things from God because of our tenure, because of our years. We remember the sweet old ladies I knew when I was a kid had the little video bun right on top of their head and they'd stand up and I've been serving the Lord for the past 58 years and God owes me a Cadillac and a new house and a condominium out on the beach. So they didn't say that, but that's kind of what came across. Doesn't work that way. And Jesus illustrated that point many times in his earthly ministry. One being that the person who agreed, the parable he told about a man that agreed to work in another man's vineyard for a penny a day, got really upset when that same man hired another guy at midnight to work for five minutes and paid him a penny. It's the spirit of the elder brother when the prodigal comes home. I've been here all these years and I didn't get nothing. You've not killed a fatty calf for me. Y'all starting to feel me now a little bit? I'm, I'm here today to remind you that, that there's more to serving God than just being faithful and testifying of our love for Him and so on. If we want our church to grow, if you want your lives to grow, if you want God to be a part of your life, there's got to be an element of manifested faith. Somebody somewhere along the line has to stand up and say, I can't do this, but God can. No amount of faithfulness, no amount of loving God is going to get me anything. I've got to believe that God is the only one that can supply my needs. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. All are on board. Let me preach for a few minutes. There may be some folks here today that struggle with the biblical teaching of faith, but I am confident that most here today are not faithless. I just don't believe there's people here today that are just completely faithless. There may be people that doubt here and there and question here and there, and we all do that. But I just don't believe there's anybody here today that just lives in that posture of, of doubt. and I just don't believe God's going to ever do anything. But I love Him, and I'm still going to be faithful. But I just don't believe He can do anything in my life. However, that being said, there are those of us here today who are guilty of trying to replace faith with other things, whether we realize it or not. Talking to everybody here. I'm talking to our leadership team, everybody. Talking to everybody here today. Well, what are those things that we use sometimes as a substitute for faith? I'm going to give you two. Even though there's many, I only have time to give you two today. I believe one of faith's 
greatest substitute among apostolic people is revelation. Most of us here who consider ourselves to be faithful and in love with Jesus probably spend a little more time in praying for revelation It's God show me a clear revelation of Scripture so I can know what I need to do or not. So I can know how I need to live or not. God, I need a revelation. I need for you to speak directly to me in an audible voice, if you will. I want you to show me so I can know. And God answers and says, no, I'm not going to do that. I want you to believe. I want you to trust. I want you to believe what I say. But we say, God, show me, give me a clear revelation of Scripture so I can know exactly what's going on around me or exactly what's happening to me. God, I want to know how this situation in my life is going to end up. God, show me. Anybody know what I mean? Y'all on board? You're awfully quiet, but I know it's the truth. I believe here that I believe all of us have prayed this way. There are people here today that are up against some very trying situations. I'm going to say that again. There are people here today that are up against some very trying situations and you don't know what the outcome is going to be, and you want God to tell you. I've been up against that. <laughs> when we, we were buying this building, I, I prayed and prayed and prayed. I walked a trail in this carpet along here. It wasn't this carpet, it's green carpet. Back and forth, back and forth. That God showed me, showed me, showed me. God showed me. God gave me a sign. We all play the role of Gideon. We want to fleece God. Well, God, if it's your will, it'll do this. If it's not your will, it'll do that. And we all want to go down that path. And God says, why can't you people just trust me? I love you, and I know you love me, and you're faithful to me. But I need for you to have faith in me. The circumstance that I was going through that I shared with you a couple of Sundays ago I'm guilty. God, I would just really love to know, are you going to heal me or not? And if you're not, how's it going to end up? And if you are, how's it going to end up? Then what's going to happen after all that? I can promise all of you here today. I prayed hard. I cried. I worshiped. I used every conduit, every path to God that I knew. I quoted the word of God. I read the word of God. I read the word of God to God. I quoted the word of God to God. I did the whole thing. Y'all on board with me? I did all of that. And I can promise you, since November of last year until just a few weeks ago, God never said a word. I don't mean to make all of you feel uneasy, but I've come today to just challenge you a little bit. And I'll have you think a little bit differently than what we all have a propensity to think sometimes. It's not that God wants to reveal to you the future. 
God wants to reveal himself to you. And that if he can reveal himself to you. Brother Jason waded into this uh, Wednesday night. We were, we were blessed and able to, to watch it on live stream. It was, it was, I was very thankful for that. It would be interesting to know, I'm not going to ask you to show you, wave your hand today or raise your hand, but uh, how many of you did your homework assignment that he asked you to do um, this past Wednesday night? And I can see by the look on your face that most of you probably did not. Oh, ooh, uh, what, did, what, what did he say? Uh, man, I, I, I can't even remember what he said. Man, I'm supposed to do a homework assignment. So there goes faith. There goes faith. So I don't want to be challenged, and I don't want that brain stretch. I don't want my, my faith to increase. What I want to do is just continue solving problems in my life, Jesus revealing himself to me more, and God letting me understand who I am more. That's not the important thing right now. I'll just keep continue loving him, and I'll continue being faithful to him. I probably butchered up Brother Jason's Bible study Wednesday night pretty bad and all of that, but... Um, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? That's putting people huge on the spot. And when you want to talk about your faith in God, I think you can run your revelation of him and your understanding of him. You can run a whole lot of that through your faith. And you can determine how big God is to you by your faith in him. So God never spoke to me. I, I prayed two or three months ago, that God, would you speak to somebody? I prayed this. I was very sincere about it. I was very honest about it. I know people that's used in the gifts of the Spirit and all that, and I, I have a, a brother that's, that's excellent in that. And I said, God, would you show him? Just let him call me and say, God showed me something and, and what have you. And, 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 and I called several other ministers' names. God, they, I know them. They know me. And I, they do this stuff all the time. They just live in this dimension of calling people and saying, hey, you got something up for you and you need to take care of it. It, it just, or, or it's going to be okay and that kind of thing. Nothing. I've been the pastor of Grace Church going on 30 years. I think God owed me some kind of an explanation. Right? Isn't that how we think? God, all the times that I've been faithful and all the counseling and preaching and praying and all of that, God, you, you owe this to me. That's not how God works. He can remember the works we do, but he's not obligated to do it. So God doesn't always allow a light to come on in our dark hour. He doesn't always give a sign in times of insecurity. He doesn't always send an angel in times of grief and heartbreak. In our most agonizing times of trial and tribulation, God wants us to reach deep down on the inside and lean heavy on a God-given commodity called faith. Lean on it. Lean on it. Lean on it. Pastor, I've been butchered over the past several months and I've been torn apart and my family is falling apart and my finances are falling apart and my marriage is falling apart and my kids, everything's falling apart, everything. That's when, that's that moment that you, deep, you dig deep down and say, like Job did, though he slay me.
yet will I trust him. Hallelujah. God doesn't always let us see where he is leading and what he is doing. But he will always welcome our faith. He will always welcome your confidence and belief in him. All right. You can have faith in any relationship. You can have faith in any relationship. But the reason faith isn't a requirement in any other relationship is because no one else can do the things for you that God can. I believe in Sister Murph. I believe in my kids. I have faith in them. And I hope that feeling is reciprocated, that belief is reciprocated. But none of us as a family can do for each other what God can do. I believe in this church, but this church can't do for us what God can do for us. And this is why God, it's a byproduct of God being God. If he wasn't God, he couldn't make such a statement. But because he is the supreme power, he is the supreme might, he is everything of everything. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Because he possesses every attribute you can imagine. He has a right to say, I need for you to have faith in me. And if you will believe in me, I will get you through anything. Oh, yes. The second substitute for faith is understanding. Everybody say understanding. This is the one that I default to the most. Even above revelation. This, this is pastor's personal issue right here, if you will. I believe that understanding is sought after in a relationship with God for most people more than revelation is. Understanding is essentially the answer to why. We ask, why did our loved one have to die? Or why doesn't God heal me? Or why doesn't God heal my loved one? Or why did I lose my job? Or why doesn't my kids serve the Lord? On and on it goes. We simply do not understand why. And it's terrorizing. It's paralyzing. It stops you dead in your tracks. God, if you don't tell me why, I'm not going another step. If you don't work my finances out, I'm not paying another diamond ties. God, if you don't heal my body... I'm not going to ever pray for anything again. We do all this stuff. We have all these attitudes and postures. And it's being human. It's just simply being human. We don't understand. And what you and I don't understand is that if God gave us perfect understanding in all of life's dilemmas, then serving God would require very little faith, if any. Again, the byproduct of being God is that the people who say they love you have faith in you. That's just being God. That's what God's want you to do is have faith in them. The other part of praying and God help me understand is we wouldn't like the answer. When I was a kid... My sister's here this morning. She'll verify. 
I would ask my dad for things, and it just seemed like he always said no. It's almost like he didn't even let me finish the question. Dad, can I? know? Well, you, you didn't even let me finish. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a daddy like that? I would go to my, I just saw some hands go up, liar, liar, pants on fire. You get everything you want. Oh, my goodness. All these kids up here. Yeah, right. I know your daddies. You should be thankful that I'm not your daddy. You wouldn't get half as much as you have right now. Anyway. So I learned through the years, even as a kid, that my mother sometimes could wear him down a little bit. So I'd go to her and plead my case. And then she would go to him. Now, honey, he is a sweet, adorable little boy. He's handsome. I was just crazy handsome. He's... I'm sorry, did I just say something funny? I... He's, he's our last child. No more after this. He's truly amazing. Why don't you go ahead and give him what he wants? And every now and then, my mother said none of that anyway. But every now and then, he would buckle under the pressure. And uh, he would give me what I asked him. But he would always say, if I had the guts to say, why can't I have something? He said no, and I'd say, why? This was his answer. Because I said so. Irritating. That's not an answer. I have, I have often thought how awesome it would be if my daddy was still alive that I could go to him and say, you listen to me, squirt. Don't have to listen to you anymore. That wasn't an answer. Sorry, that was pitiful and pathetic, and you needed to go to a class on parenting. That's all I can say. I'll step it up a notch very respectfully with God. I believe that every prayer is answered. Now, I cannot stand here and honestly tell you that when my daddy told me no, that that was not an answer. It was an answer. It wasn't the answer I wanted to hear. That's the problem. And when we pray and say, God didn't answer me, what you're really saying is God did not give me what I prayed for. That's what we're really saying, right? So sometimes God says no, and that's an answer. And oftentimes with most of us where we get angry, we get crossways with God. So I know people that are bitter because they prayed things for months and years, and God never gave them that. They say he didn't answer my prayer. He did. That's why you don't have what you've been praying for. That was the answer. That was the answer. It was, no, you can't. You can't. It's not my will for you to have that. And we have a hard time understanding that. So I've talked to you for a few minutes of what it's like to be 
without faith. Now let's talk about having faith. Let's talk about what it's like in a relationship with God with faith. In the New Testament, a man approached Jesus with a need. His servant was at the point of death. This man, whose servant was at the point of death, took a posture with Jesus that's very interesting to me. He manifested his faith through the conduit of authority. It was an authority-based faith. It went like this. Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, uh, uh, officer in the Roman army. He had a hundred men under him, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the servant answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go. And he goes, and another come, and he comes. And to my servant do this, and he doeth. And Jesus heard it and marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. This man, the centurion, understood the conduit of authority. And he ran his faith in Jesus through that conduit. That was the way he manifested his faith. Everybody listen. We've been taught and preached to for years about when you come to Jesus, you have to do it this way and you have to do it that way. And I've heard preachers say, if you will do it this way and if you will do it that way, then God will answer your prayer. God will heal you. I've seen people paraded across the platform at camp meeting. If you're lame, if you'll just stand up and walk, God will heal you. I saw a man that has unbelievable physical issues. And men holding him, parading him across the platform. And preachers saying, if you'll do it this way, if you'll do it that way, if you'll say it this way, if you'll say it that way. Listen to pastor today. If you don't get nothing outside this sermon, listen to what I'm about to say now. God appreciates you taking the faith that he gave you. You take the faith he gave you, and you run it through the conduit of what you understand to be best. Don't repeat what the centurion did when you don't understand authority. It won't make sense to you. And you'll leave frustrated because you said, well, I did what he did, and it didn't work. I've been places... Go back to the campground. I saw a woman who was in a horrible car accident. The doctor said she'd never walk. I saw her get up out of her wheelchair and jog across the front of that. And I knew it was true. It happened. But the man that I just referenced was sitting in the same auditorium. That didn't happen to him. You listen to me. This man did not ask for revelation, and neither did he ask for understanding. He had an authority about him. He understood the concept and principle of authority, and he ran his faith through that conduit. That means that this man is not told no. When he commanded a soldier, that soldier had to do what he was commanded. 
that centurion also understood from the other way that when he was told by his officer to do something, he had no choice. He understood that principle. So he ran his faith through that conduit. Jesus doesn't always respond to everyone that manifests their faith like this man did. And sometimes even with your greatest manifestation of faith in God, even with your greatest manifestation of faith in God, you run it through every fiber of you that understands, every fiber of you that knows, God, here's my faith, here's, here's my faith, here it is, here it is, here it is. Sometimes he still don't give you what you pray for. In the testimony I shared with you a couple of Sundays ago that I'll be very honest with you. I was terrified because I knew what having cancer can do to people. And the dread I had of that process was very fearful to me. I didn't want to go through that. But I also understood that that was not going to be my platform nor premise of faith. I didn't ask God to heal me because I was afraid. I asked God to heal me because I believed in him. Y'all understand, this centurion had no real stock in this servant. He was not bringing to Jesus his child. That man could have died and he could have had his pick of any servant he wanted, but he cared about this man. But he also understood the power that Jesus had. And he ran his, con his faith of a, his, his, he ran his faith through the conduit of authority that he understood. You get the point. Let me move on. There was a woman who came to Jesus one day whose daughter had a very serious need. As a matter of fact, her daughter was possessed with the devil. Where the centurion had authority faith-based, this woman had determination-based faith. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thy son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She cries, after, she cries after us. Besides that, she was a Gentile. And he answered and said, So was the centurion, by the way, both Gentiles. He answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him. And said, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, you're right. But yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She had determination-based faith. This woman, I don't know what her life was like. I don't know anything about her. I don't even know her name. All we know is she was from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. That's all we really know about her. But I just have a feeling that she was not this person that was going to take no for an answer had that tenacity that <laughs> you can say whatever you want to me but my love for you my faith in you and what I know is going on with my, my daughter at home is not going to deny me getting this miracle today she used a determination base now I've heard this scripture setting preached where if you're determined if you're determined if you don't give up don't give up don't give up God will give you whatever it is you ask for that's not true 
She did not seek revelation or understanding. She had determination. She was determined. She was determined. She didn't quit. Jesus doesn't always respond to everyone that manifests their faith like this woman did. But I can assure you this morning that when God doesn't give you what you want or need, that he will take care of you no matter what. He will. There's a lot of people in the Bible that prayed for things that did not get what they wanted. Here's the point. Here's my sermon. I'm not closing, but here's my sermon. The Bible said that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The point of faith, I believe, and all the things you've heard about faith, I believe the point, and the Bible is very clear, this hit me this week, and it just... It just blew the inside of my head out, figuratively speaking. The point of faith is to please God. The point of faith is not to get out of God everything you want. Well, I thought eight people would be running the aisles and shouting hallelujah, and I see it. <laughs> the point of faith, you study your Bible, just of all the things I've heard about faith, of all the things I've heard about faith, all the things I've heard about faith, the point is so that God can be happy with you. It is not a guarantee that when I pray for a brand new automobile, he's going to give me one. And when I pray for a new job, he's going to give me one. And I pray God's going to straighten out my kids and he's going to do it. That is it's not what the Bible says. I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry to... To upset all of your theology here this morning and all the things you've said. Read the Bible in Hebrews 11. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. It did not say that if you have faith, God will give you everything you want. I just talked to you about the centurion. I just talked to you about the woman whose daughter was filled with, uh, vexed with the devil. They manifested faith in two completely different ways. But that wasn't the point. God answered them. I believe Jesus responded to them because they had faith. And these people illustrate that if you have faith, you will manifest it one way or another. And that's where God says, hallelujah, somebody's getting the point. I just want you to believe in me. I'm not going to guarantee you everything you want is going to come to pass. But if you will believe in me, I'll take care of you. I will make sure your needs are met. You will not go undone. You will not go unforgiven. You will not go through life miserable and heartbroken and all of that kind of stuff. As long as you keep your faith in me. All right. All right. I believe today. I believe today. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to not just our church, but I'm pre pre preaching to our area. I believe today that there are people that love God 
but they have been so heartbroken by God because they've heard it preached and taught that if you do this, if you do that, if you do this, if you do it this way, if you do it that way, everything's going to come to pass the way, the way you want it to pass. And it didn't happen. And I know people today that are heartbroken. They're even bitter towards God. You listen to pastor here today. They love God, but they can't forgive God. See, that's why love isn't enough. It's a, it's a, it's a part of, the, of, of, of our relationship with God. It's a necessity, obviously, in our relationship with God. But it's possible to love God and still be faithless. I can't imagine how the disciples felt when they watched Jesus die. They believed in him. They trusted in him with all of their might. Yes, they did. But he died on them. And perhaps that was the final straw with Thomas. He's known as the doubter anyway. But I respect the man. He didn't hypocrite through it. He didn't try to stand up in front of Jesus and shout and run the aisles and say, I believe in you and I believe in you and I believe in you. He didn't. And where people manifest faith, on the same hand, they manifest their they manifest their unbelief. I don't care what I've seen; it doesn't make any difference what I've heard. I've not I've seen Jesus do all this stuff, but I'm still wrestling with faith. I love Him. Well. There's no other virtue that will replace faith when it comes to your relationship with God. So here's the challenge. The same writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, gave us what I believe is the most accurate definition of faith. And I believe here's where we struggle the most. This is, this, I'm, I'm, this is Pastor Murphy preaching. I'm not trying to represent anybody else. It's what I believe God gave me for our church today. We all know the verse, and we all hoop and holler over it. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, gives us a definition of faith. What is it? What is faith? And ask yourself, can you apply this to you? Do you really believe that this is what faith is? And if you, you can understand this, then it can help you determine where your faith gauge is this morning. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Now, I want to talk about our American culture here for a moment. We all know here today, I believe everybody here today has a brain. I'm pretty confident everyone here today has a brain in your head. If you don't, I would sure love to meet with you after church. If I ask for a show of hands and I'm not going to, it's not fair. But I would, if we could be honest with ourselves just for a moment. Did at least one thing happen to you this week where God was absolutely, positively your only default? 
Did anything happen to anybody here this week? Don't raise your hand. Where if God didn't come through, I was not going to survive it. I've talked to you about the substitutes for faith, and I've saved this part to the very end. I'm going to say we, I'm going to say I. In default to doctors, money, gifting, talent, experience, knowledge, people around us, and the list just keeps going. And we've reached a point, most of us have here today, we've reached a point in our life where our God-given faith is the most least exercised part of our relationship with God because it's rare in our American culture that we really need him. Be honest. Be honest. I'm asking you, Christ Church, be honest. You know when people need God? And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to you, it's frustrating to me as pastor, it's, it's frustrating to God, I believe, is when your baby gets a death sentence. Your parent gets a death sentence. They're not going to live. I've watched family after family after family through the years go through this. I, I know people that make bad financial decisions and they lose everything they have. I've, I've counseled with people that have bad marriages. They don't listen to a word you say. They say they do, but they don't. They say they pray about it, but it doesn't work, and they end up in divorce anyway, whatever. Somewhere along the line, we, we, we fail to understand. The Bible said when you are tried, you'll come forth as pure gold. That's where faith is refined, is, is when you're tried. But if you can handle your trials yourself, God can't accomplish what he wants to accomplish. I'm going to go down this path for a moment. I'm trying to wrap this up. Stand with me. Uh, I'll try to go faster. My heart's full this morning. God has really... Let me go down this path briefly, and y'all know the story. That Sunday afternoon, January 2016, I believe it was, when Dave Bunch called me, his voice was trembling said Dawson is in the hospital they don't know what's wrong with him they can't find what's wrong with him he's not responding to anything can y'all come y'all all know that story I can promise you at that moment there was nothing that Dave and Farrah Bunch possessed that was going to help Dawson in that moment Let me ask all of you whose homes flooded in 2016, what did you possess? What did you have in your hand that was going to keep that water out of your house? There's times that God tries us to help us bring our faith to the surface so it can be developed in such a way that when the next event comes into our life that completely blows us out of the water we're not shaken by it I told the story talked about it in the past several days of 
the bunch's experience with Dawson and leukemia. And then on the hills of that, their house got flooded and Denham Springs had, I think, four feet of water in the house. It was higher than that on the outside because their house was built off the ground, but had about four or five feet of water in their house. I talked about the Bible. That I, the first thing I saw when I pulled up their driveway, he had a Bible that was in the flood, and I preached about it. It, it. it stunk, it was stained, it was ruined, but the words of that Bible were still powerful. It was still a Bible. The flood water didn't hurt the words or the power of that Bible. So, what is faith? Faith. It's the substance of what you're hoping for. It's, it's the tangible. It's what you can feel. It's what you're hoping for. And faith is the evidence of things you can't see. It's the only proof that you have that there's a possibility of something coming to pass in my life. Faith is the only possibility of that. If you don't have that, then obviously God can't really help you. So, I am not concluding this today to say everybody that has a need come down here we're going to pray for you and God's going to heal you that's not where I'm going with this what I'm asking you to do is to trust God again your parents may have failed you your pastor in the past may have failed you I may have failed you but that doesn't deplenish God that doesn't weaken God Friends, family, things fall apart in life. All this stuff, all this stuff happens to us. Everything, life happens, life happens. We all understand it. I'm calling on Grace Church here today to take that Job posture that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. There's families here that's going through all kinds of things. I know that. I, I pastor here. You're going through all kinds of stuff. I don't want your faith to fail you. Jesus prayed for Peter and he said, I'm praying for you that your faith fell not. You're going to go through some horrible, horrible things, but if you'll hang with me, don't get stupid. Don't go down your own path and try to figure it out all by yourself. Don't do that. Keep trusting in me. And when it seems like all hope is gone, if your faith remains, then that is the substance of what you're hoping for. Your faith is the evidence of what you can't see. If you will give me that, you will make me very happy, saith the Lord. Oh my, oh my. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place right now. So I'm gonna ask some people here today. I'm gonna ask a lot of people here today as they begin to sing softly. If you'll just come gather around the front as we always do and say, you know what, God, I didn't pass that test too good last time, but I want you to know I more than love you. I'm more than faithful. I still have my faith. Say this mountain can be somebody, somebody come up here and give it all you got. Somebody come give it all you got. Somebody come give it all you got. Trust him one more time. Keep that faith intact. It's the only evidence you've got. It's the only substance you've got. It's all you've got. And that's what God needs the most right now.
Yeah. 